Welcome to KC Connect, brought to you by IBEX Employer Relations Team. Across this series of short episodes, we will provide insight and expertise on some of the most common challenges for our members and discuss trends shaping the employer relations landscape. My name is Fiona Higgins, Head of IBEX Knowledge Centre, and I'm joined by my colleague Stephen Driver, Head of Advocacy. In this week's episode, we will briefly be discussing the findings of our recent IBEX HR Update 2022 on workplace trends and insights. This is an annual report that captures the key developments and trends in Irish workplaces as expressed by senior HR leaders who share their insights on pay, resourcing and HR trends. So to begin with, Stephen, maybe tell us a little bit more, first of all, about the survey. Thanks, Fiona. Well, we conduct this survey annually across all sectors of the IBEC membership. This year, we partnered with Amoric Research in the delivery of the survey, and we had uh, 329 respondents, which is a great sample size, uh, employing over 143,000 um, workers of the Irish workforce. The insights and trends from the survey provide our members with key information to assist them with the planning of their priorities into next year. And no different to any other year, the report leads out with a focus on pay. So what do the pay trends tell us about this year in 2022 and what are we likely to see into 2023 on pay? So looking at 2022 and if we look back to the the, uh, update from last year um, where respondents forecasted for 2022, respondents forecasted average pay increases in the order of 2.7%. However, it is very evident that businesses have reacted positively on pay throughout 2022 in the face of cost of living pressures with reported average increases of 4.17%. Looking then forward into next year, 2023, 80% of employers are planning for pay increases with an average increase of 3.82%, with 50% of those forecasting increases of between 2 and 4%. Across both uh, 2022 and into 2023, there are no organisations actually that have decreased or are expecting to decrease pay. And the report breaks down pay by organisation size and industry sector as well. What does that tell us? So for the first time, we've included an indicative breakdown of pay increases and pay bans by sector. While each sector have has a different frame of reference for for pay. We can see a consistent approach to pay from year to year in some sectors such as retail, education, food and drink and medical device manufacturing. While a lot of sectors such as electronic services and telecoms, engineering, distribution and pharma are planning more conservative pay increases in 2023 than 2022. There are some sectors such as health and social services and the experience economy in particular that are planning for higher increases on average in 2023 than the average across sectors, probably due to the impact of the increase in in the national minimum wage coupled with uh, labour challenges in those sectors. And this survey was conducted in September 2022. Given some of the recent labour market developments we've seen in some of the larger players in the technology sector, are pay demands likely to taper off next year, do you think? Well, we've seen many commentators are predicting a slowing of the economy uh, next year. 
uh, with that in mind, we expect to see some organizations embark on, on right-sizing programs. Um, while this may see some redundancies uh, in, in those particular organizations, the labor market is still quite buoyant. I would expect pay demands to maintain similar rigor as, as 2022, mainly due to cost of living and high inflation uh, that, that still, still is there. However, I predict that organizations will be a, a little bit more conservative with pay increases in 2023. However, non-pay benefits may see some curtailments next year. Okay. And moving on then to when you mentioned labour market, moving on to resourcing then, Stephen, um, the survey also found that the greatest challenge facing um, employers was 89% of HR practitioners in the next 12 months um, are saying that the availability of talent and skills is a challenge for them, yet the majority of them still intend to recruit just would you like to expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, so when we surveyed our members in September of this year, um, 54% forecasted that they will increase their headcount in 2023. Interestingly, over 50% of this cohort say that they will increase their headcount by 6% or more, which is quite significant. Mm. With the recent shifts globally in organisations right-sizing, as, as we touched on earlier, Many organisations will be forecasting the level by which they will increase their headcounts uh, by next year. It's very evident that many sectors are still actively recruiting uh, talent to meet their needs. And when organisations still intend to recruit, what challenges does that bring or present? What did the survey find in that regard? So you mentioned the availability of talent and skills. Mm -hmm. That's by by far um, the the biggest challenge that organisations are are seeing. There's still competition uh, for skills that's leading to upward uh, wage pressures. And we can see that in terms of the uh, percentage increases in in those sectors um, that still have uh, challenging labour conditions. Um, The expectations around uh, career progression Mm -hmm. uh, and and available training. And of course, flexible and and, and hybrid working and the expectations around the facilitation of those um, new ways of of working. Uh, And I know we'll touch on that a a little bit later as well. Um, But also as well in, in, in terms of uh, the number of w- work permits that may be available in some sectors to to fulfil uh, the demand of of, of labour in th- in those particular sectors. So, Fiona, what are the trends that we are seeing come true in terms of HR priorities? Uh, every year, we ask HR leaders to tell us what their top HR priority and top five HR priorities are for the year ahead. So these relate to core strategic areas such as retention of employees, leadership development, culture, HR strategy and so on. So year on year, we're able to track then how these priorities move and up and down the ranking uh, scale. So this year, because of the majority of employers were having difficulty hiring staff, the survey found that the prioritisation of investing in existing workforces uh, with the retention of employees being the single greatest area of importance and that that was identified by 69% of employers. So this was followed by employee engagement at 57% and it was ahead of attracting the right employees. 
Um, compared to last year's survey in 2021, uh, there's greater emphasis on career progression and succession planning. And that's up by six percentage points on 2021's uh, survey. And perhaps more importantly, um, organisation culture is up to 39% uh, from 22% in 2021. Uh, responses also relating to well-being and diversity and inclusion and belonging um, have also remained consistently the same in the survey um, compared to last year. And in addition, then um, looking at the, our HR priorities, we looked at the whole area of uh, environmental, social and governance or ESG uh, in short, as it applies to the HR community. And whilst it was comparatively lower at 13%, it's well up on last year's priority listings in 2021. So this indicated to us that there was a higher level of awareness of the majority of activities that fall within the responsibility of the HR leader and con they, they contribute to the ESG and sustainability agenda, um, including the whole area of remote and hybrid working, for example, um, looking at online recruitment and the whole contribution to diversity and inclusion and then just moving on um in comparison to this year also we also asked participants to the survey to identify which element of ESG um as part of attracting and retaining talent did they in did they identify as the most important um which part of that E S or G um was most important so social initiatives that being its impact on society and well-being of people was identified by most employers at 46% compared to governance and environmental initiatives being identified by employers as key to attracting talent and retaining talent in the organisation. So that was an interesting um, part of the survey as well. Um, we also asked in last year's survey uh, HR directors about ESG on their HR agendas and we had we did find that it scored extremely low. Um, but this year there's been more recognition of that role and contribution that HR can make. So that's actually very encouraging. Excellent. Thanks, Fiona. Um, and we also explored uh, some talent management strategies in, in organisations. What did the, um, the insights uh, tell us in, in relation to those priorities? Yeah, the talent management strategies were looked at in the survey in three distinct areas, pay and benefits, career development and business operating models. Uh, what the survey is telling us is that whilst pay, especially basic pay increases, is a predominant factor in talent management at present, it's a shorter term investment. And we found that respondents are redoubling their efforts in retaining uh, staff through investment in upskilling compared to the same survey taken last year. And in addition, over half or 51% are investing in succession planning, followed by competency frameworks. So again, it was really encouraging to see that that organisations are really investing in their, their existing talent. Very good. And we mentioned hybrid and, and remote working yeah. earlier. Um, what are organisations telling us in, in, in the survey in terms of um, the way that they're approaching uh, hybrid and remote working? 
Yeah, the third um, element of talent management priorities is the investment in hybrid working. And we found that 74% of organisations um, who are responding uh, to development uh, or are developing models of hybrid working. Um, since coming out of the pandemic, uh, models of work that applies to up to 40% of the working population, we know that that's still evolving and surveys tell us that the most popular models um, by almost a third or 31% of hybrid and flexible models is that which is delegated to managers or teams themselves. And the survey then told us that um, the three-day working on site followed by two-day working on site then were the second and third most popular. Part-time though and full-time remote working were also featured as part of flexible options for employers in the survey. However, um, one in five, um, which is really interesting when you look at this whole area, one in five or 22 percent of employers at the time of responding to this survey um, were still yet undecided. So this is not unexpected um, of an outcome as we see organisations still trialling and testing their operating models um, to balance their business and their employee needs. When it came to ranking the impacts of hybrid and remote working for employers, uh, there were some interesting findings there, Fiona. Yeah, the survey asked employers to identify what employment developments did they view um, as having the greatest impact. And this included um, employment legislation such as uh, the imminent statutory uh, sick pay act, uh, limitations on the use of uh, probation periods in the workplace under the work-life balance bill and gender pay gap reporting, as well as proposed changes to pensions under the introduction of auto-enrolment in 2020. But the greatest impact identified by employers was actually managing the expectations of employees on remote and hybrid working. Um, So it goes back to what you were talking about earlier on in terms of the recruitment challenges around um, employees' expectations on um, flexible working arrangements. So 77% of employers identified this as their top five issues, with 38% seeing it as a top impact so this aligns with earlier research in this area undertaken by the Whitaker Institute and NUI Galway University that found that 30% of respondents to that survey um, earlier this year um, will even change job, even if it means taking a pay cut if the remote working uh, pre- preferences are not facilitated. So employees are coming out of the pandemic having certainly higher expectations when it comes to remote and hybrid working that may not always align to the business needs of the organisation. And maybe to conclude, Fiona, what are are organisations doing to counter the impact of some of these employment developments? Well, happily for us, our survey found that 40% are engaging external service providers for guidance, such as IBEC, as well as increasing uh, their HR budgets and HR resourcing to report these work transitions. And there's also some evidence um, of outsourcing of non-core activities to increase uh, their business agility. So Fiona, if people want more information uh, on the report, where, where can they find it? Uh, they can download the full report from our website under the Employer Hub. Or if uh, you simply wish uh, to discuss it, please don't hesitate to contact us by contacting your IBEC executive or calling us in the Knowledge Centre.
Thanks, Fiona. That concludes this episode. Thank you for listening. For more content like this, be sure to explore the audio hub on ibec.ie and follow ibec on Twitter at ibec underscore IRL.